Yes, I did it. I killed Yvette. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it flamed, flames, flames on the side of my face. Now I have a machine gun. So what's your name, Icy? Stuntman Mike. Stuntman Mike's your name. You ask anybody. Hey, Warren. Who is this guy? Stuntman Mike. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? We are the knights who say... No, not the knights who say... The same... Take this thing out of the case and stick it up your nose. Don't worry, it's self-guiding. But I know you don't want to be here forever. You know, I got things I want to do in my life. Wayne. You got red on you. Statistical fact. Cops will never pull over a man with a huge bomb in his car. Why? They fear this man. They know he sees farther than they. And he will bind them with ancient logics. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we talk about the films that you will never study in the course of a film studies course. It is the month of December. We're in the week of 100s. This is episode number 102, and uh, therefore we are um, picking some of our favorite movies. This week's favorite movie, picked by Mr. Arthur Gordon, is The Rocketeer. But before we get any further into that... We must do some introductions. Picker of the film, if you would introduce yourself, please. I am Arthur Gordon, and guys, I'm the Rocketeer. The Rock of who? Come on, guys. Don't you read the papers? <laughs> it's 2014. No one reads papers. Uh, across the table, man, if you'd introduce yourself. My name's Alexander Bohannon, and that must have been one big gopher. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. To the left, sir, if you would. My name is Dalton Stewart, and that's right, I'm a fascist. <laughs> you know, I almost set you up with that. I really, really thought about doing the whole bit than just Dalton. Thank you. Uh, so, very, very good. Uh, my name is Dustin Sells. My last job was just holding grapes from Myrna Loy, so I hope this podcast <laughs> turns out to be better. And uh, very, very glad to be here with you all talking about Disney's The Rocketeer. This is our second Disney film, right? Treasure Planet and this. Wait, wait. Yeah. I feel like we've done more. We, uh, I think it's only... I mean, we did Marvel? the Avengers. Marvel is We did Disney. the Avengers. I guess that Just is technically, technically Yeah. Technically. Well, you know, 102 episodes, I guess, are going to get their way in eventually. So, anyhow, we are going to talk, talk, talk about what's going on inside the film The Rocketeer. But we need to warn you, dear listener, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show. So if you have been under a rock or were not a child in the early 90s and, like, all the children saw this film, uh, we will definitely be doing some spoilerific spoilers. But that will be after a very quick synopsis and our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews. And then that analysis will take place in which we um, have no holds barred regarding that which spoils. So, you now know and are now warned. Let's begin with that synopsis from the voice of the cinema. Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. A young pilot stumbles onto a prototype jetpack that allows him to become a high-flying masked hero. Yeah, accurate. That's, that's pretty good, yeah. No, not really. There's not a lot of rocketing 
considering this film's called The Rocketeer. I just feel the need to throw that out there. It's probably because of the uh, blue screen usage. Yeah. Oh, man, is, that was yeah. nice. It, it looks fun. It's, it's just like uh, it's well. like Batman Begins, where Batman doesn't show up for like an hour, and he's only in 20 minutes of the movie. Well, <laughs> he's Bruce Wayne the whole time, though. Yeah. So there is that. One of you guys, I think, said this was a superhero movie, and while it is superhero-esque, it is not a superhero movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a pulp. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's, it's it's a graphic novel adaptation. Yeah. I mean he's a hero, but he's not. He's a hero. He's, he's not, not very a super though. No, no, not no. He's he's definitely less Batman, you know, or even Iron Man than just you know, or Archie or Archie. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, yeah. He, he's Jughead with Iron Man suit is what he. Is. Oh, yeah, okay, that okay. checks out. Yeah, uh, yeah, valid. I got that. That's valid. All right. Well, let's do our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. I begin with you, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What do you say? Oh, that's all right. It's whatever. It's honestly kind of disposable. I haven't seen this movie in years. Obviously, you know, growing up in the 90s, I'd seen it on TNT about 100 times at various points of the film. But I think this might have been the very first time I've ever sat down and watched it from start to finish. And I got to say, I'm very underwhelmed. Not even whelmed. It's it's an okay movie. Um, I I like honestly Timothy Dalton's probably the best thing about this movie. I agree. Second, very close second being Jennifer Connelly and and all of the things she entails. Yes, reverse the order and you're correct. No, Timothy Dalton's a hell of a lot of fun in here, and and Jennifer Connelly's actually a lot of fun in this too. But and they're both just so beautiful. Yes, they are. Goodness gracious, <laughs> Jennifer goddamn Connelly in this movie. Wow. When it's Paltrow's half Jewish, but a full time Oscar winner. Jennifer Conley's half Jewish too, and I'd like to put some more in her. That being said, really, there's not, I just don't care. I, it's fine. I liked it. I watched it. It, it was fun. Me, it just doesn't feel like much going on here to me. Uh, and I think that might speak to Joe Johnson's entire filmography, to be perfectly honest with you, because most of his films are just okay. My point is, he's one of them journeyman filmmakers you hear about, which is fine. Uh, you know, he's a gun for hire. He, he makes a movie. He knows what he's doing. I think that the, the technical term is mature en scene. <laughs> but he's definitely not a... Pinky out. Gross. Um, but he's, exactly. you know, he's not a... To, to follow Arthur's pretension, he's no... Tour, you know, he's just not, and not it's fine. Not everyone has to be, not every film has to be the best thing ever made or have any deeper meaning. Um, but it, you know, if it's a date movie, make it sure it's a damn good date movie. And this isn't even that, it's just an okay movie in general. I give it two pieces of lucky chewing gum out of a possible five. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexandra Bohannon, what say you? I, it really took a, quite a while for me to get warmed up in this movie. First of all, trying to figure out what kind of genre it was. Obviously, it becomes more and more apparent as the film goes on that it's definitely that pulp fiction type type genre. But I was still trying to peg it as, okay, is this just one of those um, period type comedies? Or am I looking at um, like really like a superhero movie? Um, and then we've got all this war stuff. Honestly, the film didn't pick up to me until 
Jennifer Connelly enters the secret library and mm. we find out what is really going on. So, hey, you should probably listen to the rest of it if you want to know more about that. But honestly, that's when I was like, oh, this is interesting now because, you know, this this group of people, what, you have this face. Okay, go for I'm it. I'm sorry, I just found out Joe Johnson directed The Page Master, which is a fucking great movie that I watched <laughs> a lot when I was a little kid. <laughs> I haven't seen it since I was eight, so there's a good so chance it's not good nostalgia anymore. nostalgia goggles, Mabes, but... Yeah. Yes. Also, Jumanji. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I can yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And when you say all of these movies is directed, I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me because they all got this kind of. They're cute. This marshmallowiness. I can't convey They're what cute. it is. Yeah. yeah, it's a. Except for Wolfman, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's got this this Disney sheen. I I just can't. Once I knew. It was a Disney film. I could maybe pick on it more, but if I hadn't and compared it to the rest of what Disney normally does, then I'd be like, yeah, that's that's totally a, a Disney movie. And I hate saying that because Disney has made movies that aren't necessarily in this mode of directing. But um, yeah, and um, I don't know. It hasn't... I don't think it aged very well in terms of like special effects and um, some cuts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I did like the older, what I imagine Robert Downey Jr. looking like in like 40, 30 years. Like that actor, the the mentor father figure Alan to... Ar- How's Alan Arkin? Okay, I feel dumb now. You know who Alan Arkin is? Uh, yeah. You do. Argo. It means Argo fucked himself. The problem is Alan Arkin is doing this weird Midwestern accent. I don't, I can't place it. Yeah, Alan Arkin, you have a voice that's great. Just use that one. That he looks just like Albert Einstein. <laughs> oh shit, he does. <laughs> just like. Oh man. Uh, really Dalt- I think that. Dalton and uh, Connolly really redeemed the movie for me. I was watching Thanks, for those. Man. I was no, I was watching for those those scenes. Not, I was watching for those not scenes. He's saying that you were saying him. Dalton. Oh, oh, Timothy Dalton. Uh, yeah, no, okay. All right. This is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's not Alex. Okay. Boom. So my final assumption is is that this is a great movie if you're like looking for entertainment and you're babysitting a bunch of kids and you want to put on something that's pretty unoffensive, but I'm sure they'll be wowed by it and you know there might be some fun humor in there. I really enjoyed like the little where she bops in the head with the face, and I was very surprised by the uh, chloroform. But uh, that being yeah. said yeah that went uh a, a direction big. i did not expect <laughs> but um that being said i'll give it six six jet packs that are malfunctioning out of a possible 10 excellent excellent thank you very much miss bohannon mr arthur gordon what say you yeah explain to me why this is good well i mean he's got some like investment in this film yeah the nostalgia goggles nostalgia okay. goggles Totally. How, I, saw this, I saw this movie in theaters. You're like, what? Oh, no. So oh, we were born yeah, in... Yeah, I was younger than you. I was born in... I, I, was, I was more impressionable as a child. I was creeping up on my first teenager. birthday. Yeah, I was born in 91. I don't know when this was released. Summer Summer 91. 91? Yeah. Oh, so it might have been around my birth, my yeah. actual day of birth. I was, I was creeping up on my, my one year. So you were like 12 already. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been twenty already. That's I don't know. Driving. Yeah, I, no. I took a day. I was a small child. child. You, 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 what, you, you actually would have been I like was tw- ten. You were ten. Okay. Uh, okay. And you would have been ninety-one. I would have been five. Five. Okay. So you saw this in the the cinemas. Yes, correct. That's tell, tell me about that. I 
don't remember. Actually, my mom was mentioning the other day. Tell we me were, what you remember. We were at the theater watching Mockingjay. My mom was like, we were here at this. We were in the Muskogee Theater. Mm-hmm. And she was like, we were here when you were little. We were watching a movie about a guy with a rocket pack. The Rocketeer. Oh, my gosh. So, that's so that's I a great piece. For, like, Nintendo. Oh, that's cool. And I got really frustrated because I couldn't get past this level. I played know? the stew out of that game when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. Because what? You know, Nintendo games were ridiculous hard. Movie movie tie Nintendo games were kind of yeah. notoriously weird. They did not like weird. you. No. Yeah. It's like, it was like sadomasochism. Because you have to best. keep running well, it. So you yeah, exactly. they put all the money into the, like, the first three levels, and they don't want you to get past that, because everything after that is just shit. Yeah. And I mean, this is a movie from what I understand was in developmental hell for quite a while, uh, mm. and they had to tone it down because um, in the comics, the Jennifer Connelly character is actually a Betty Page take, and she's an adult kind of star, so they had to you know tone that kind of stuff mm. down. That, yeah. so that makes sense to me. And... Yeah, well, I mean, I just was curious as to why her phone number was written on, like, this call board. It's, like, for a good time, called Jenny. Like, that's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, oh, okay, why is this? Okay, can I? She's very familiar with that airfield. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Mulholland Drive prequel. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, obviously, I think this is a cash machine for Disney. Mm -hmm. It was very obvious. And I think with Disney, if you go back and look, there's this this paradigm shift where – uh, in the early years, the, the Disney movies were actually quite good with Old Yeller and David Crockett, Swiss Family Robertson, where the animation wasn't as good. I mean, you've got some notable films, but they're not that peak film yeah. you're familiar with. And then there's a switch by the 80s when we start hitting Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid starts the, it, de- de- the live Renaissance. action. Uh, Disney films actually go quite downhill because we get such gems as uh, Flubber and... Uh, I watched. I think Dog. I watched that in theaters, yeah. not Shaggy yeah. Dog. Shaggy Dog remake. Yeah. I mean, and the remakes, and yeah. a lot of these are remakes that yeah. are just poor takes on the originals. Parent Flubber trap. and the. Uh, I like the Parent Flubbers. Trap. Yeah, watch it now, though. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. will. But uh, and so that's. I think there's a lot of parent. But I, I mean, this is just a movie I grew up with as a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm just really close to. It. I thought it was a lot of fun. What I still you, think it's a lot of fun. What do you think about it now? You just. It, you, it's still fun for you. It's still near. I mean, I can tell it's kind of shallow and there's not a lot there, but it's it's fun to me. I can go through it pretty easily and be invested. And I'm, if anything, I'm glad you picked it because I'm glad I finally got to watch it. Finally, you got a rating for this, Arthur Gordon? Well, she kind of stole my rating system, but oh. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take it anyway. I do said, it. I said seven, uh, leaking like a sieve. Rocket packs out of ten. <laughs> nice. So. There you go. Nazi uh, code books. What I want to say about the movie is I, I like it. It's fine. It's it, I mean, it's definitely one of those movies. That, I, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is actually a good comparison. Is that there's definitely sort of this adventure component. It's like low end sort of family ab- ambling entertainment. Mm. Yeah, you know, totally. Sort of yeah. Stuff. Whereas this is not great classic stuff. It's less funny than say the Goonies or oh, or, yeah. or something else you know from the 80s uh, that are moving forward. But it's definitely got a lot of high adventure. There's definitely a lot of you know you're going to want to go out and pretend to be uh, a pilot yeah. and a rocketeer. I, I, th- I think it's as fun as Hidalgo. Honest. I mean, it is basically the I same movie. I love Hidalgo. Though. I haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> I, 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 I like Cowboys. More than I like pilots, though. So well, there's something to that. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so that that's fine. I really Should do it. like uh, some production design stuff with it. I love the design of the uh, Rocketeer's helmet and oh, his costume. Yeah. I love that uh, breasted. The best suit. poster ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a great. I poster. love the Art Deco style. That yeah. Oh yeah, it's Marshall it's style. lovely, lovely. And I, and I love the propaganda video, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the video film. The yeah, that was great. Which is fantastic. Yeah, there's some really great design choices. That's the part in, in the film. movie I'm like, I want to watch that movie, like mm-hmm. the re- the movie where the uh, the turn happens. That's the movie. Well, you want to watch Captain America: The First Avenger because oh. that's 
that's this movie without Joe Johnson being told to keep it family friendly by Disney. Honestly, yeah. so here you go stealing yeah. my thunder. But that's precisely what I kept thinking. <laughs> when I watched the yeah. movie was that what I want to see is uh, the Rocketeer fight a bunch of Nazi invaders in rocket packs. Mm-hmm. I mean that that is yeah. so that's cool. The movie I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I kept thinking about that. I did find uh, the Dick Tracy looking um, uh, villain guy. Oh yeah, it's a strange a little, choice. I mean, I, yeah. Well, I I, he, I think it's more of a direct correlation from the comic, mm-hmm. and so I think that's what they were trying to pick up on but i love me some period pieces i love the 30s and uh, into the you know early 40s that sort of pre-war into the post-war period and uh so that's that's all fine but no it's not you know the best thing that's ever happened uh to me i would probably give it a uh, six and a half uh, burnt up vacuum cleaner substitutes out of a possible 10 and it really does look like a vacuum cleaner th- th- there is definitely a vacuum yep. look there so there you go dear listener now you know where we're coming from as far as what we think about the film but that's not what this show is here to do we're going to do some analysis now and uh, so i uh go first across the table uh miss alexandra bohannon what analysis bring you well um i just had a couple of things as we kind of discussed this movie is is kind of kind of surface level and it requires some creative engineering i'd say to get some um, you know, universal truths or themes. Yeah, there's there's no proper text. I mean, and there's not even subtext. You're going to be making your own message when you're thinking about an analysis for this film, I think. Right. Um. And so, since my favorite part of the movie, and now that it's we're in spoiler town, I can talk about it, is whenever we get the big reveal that Dalton is a Nazi. And I am not. Yeah. Uh, what? Sorry, you did a thing. When we get that big reveal, I just feel that it... It, it sets off a really interesting chain of events that that basically demonstrates this robust American patriotism. You know, I mean, we get the flag and the rocketeer on top of the building and mm-hmm. the, the shots there. But I also wanted to kind of go for a, a theme that whenever we are faced with such a great evil as the Nazis, you know, we can all unify, even if we all hate each other's guts, see the mobsters unifying with... That's a real thing, by the way. Yeah. The Wait, the mobsters went against the Nazis? Yeah, man. Because the uh, Italian-American crime syndicate that doesn't actually exist, um, there is no mafia. Uh, fascist Italy was real mean to the Sicilians, and um, the American mafia started has its roots in Sicily. So yeah, they, they were, were not keen on the Mussolini. No, they were very anti-fascism and very anti-Nazis. Um, so fun fact, also uh, lots of uh, Jewish American uh, organized crime families. So obviously not big fans. Yeah, that's that's an interesting little real tidbit that I wasn't really aware of. Um, but whenever we get these voice, forces joining together, we can justify any action under the, you know, saying America protect our interests. I mean, because if you notice... When we're on the Zeppelin, I mean, Jennifer Connelly totally kills somebody, like falling out of the Zeppelin. Oh, like, lots, death. lots of people die on yes. uh, in that Zeppelin, and also the concept of the whole time we get them saying, "No, if you shoot the Zeppelin, it's going to explode hydrogen everywhere," and so they get saved and the thing's going down, but we never get to see the aftermath of the Zeppelin going down, <laughs> potentially potentially killing lots and lots of people. Yeah, no joke. Oh, the humanity. Oh, yeah. the humanity. <laughs> part two, Electric Boogaloo. But it- <laughs> <laughs> woo. 
<laughs> oh, man. So that's kind of the little piece I wanted to leave with you. I kind of wanted to originally do some something about feminism, but uh, it felt even more of a stretch than this. But people can use uh, their country their patriotism to kind of join against and you know what they consider a group evil force but at the same time they forget that even though these people are affiliated with this this quote evil force and they are quote the bad guys that they are also human beings as well um because there's this is a disney movie and we get really no indication that the main characters are sorry remorseful even thinking about yeah. the fact that they killed people and that's what they definitely did mm-hmm. even if they're affiliated with the most most evil thing that probably has ever happened most evil force in the world so that being said um it's kind of a disappointment that we couldn't have talked about that but we only had like 15 minutes left by the time the yeah. the knockoff hindenburg blew up so it's definitely a valid point man yeah Thank you very much, Ms. Bohan. And Mr. Dalton Stewart, what analysis bring you? Well, listener, for the first time in 103 episodes, I had shit to say, 102 episodes. <laughs> oh, my God! I got nothing. Uh, and I think that speaks to how factory farm inoffensive this film is um you know it, it's definitely built to up to appeal to the four quadrants you know they, they talk about when they're talking about marketing um you know make sure everybody you know it's uh it's retro for the old folks it's it's kind of silly and slapsticky for the little kids it's got jennifer connelly's boobs for the 12 year olds and you and and me <laughs> and uh and me. dalton and timothy dalton in the movie but yeah, and, and I think that speaks a lot to, you know, mainstream studio filmmaking. It, sometimes they go out of their way to make something appeal to the masses, and in that pursuit, something becomes just too sanitary. And and I do find that interesting. That's almost a reading within itself, because think about this... Well, no, I mean, not like that. No, yeah, well, I mean, but that's... In the my context, reading is the lack there of being... The well, lack of one. But the context of the movie. Think about how she's an actress. Oh. And he... And Sinclair is in all of these probably, like, farming-type yeah. films where he's... They're just... Tim, Tim, uh, Neville Sinclair vehicles yeah. that are just trying to get the studio not, lots not of money. Not Errol Flynn. Yeah, I mean, he's the off-brand that everyone can afford. And, you know, What's-His-Face was commenting on how silly that pilot movie he was in was. And so I think that's it's hilarious that they're talking about that in a movie that is exactly what they're criticizing. But yeah, it's, it's a fine film. It just, you know, it's not about anything. I don't think it wants to be about anything, and that's fine. But it's so sanitary, um and inoffensive that there isn't even any subtext for me to mine, really. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Um, Dalton Stewart, for what, what analysis it does bring in. The, I think you do bring up some points, so that's fine. You know, yeah. and, and I think there's some interesting stuff. I'm really good at saying a there. lot without saying anything at all. What yeah. You know? I mean, I saw the com- <laughs> the women being commodified thing. I mean, you could... There's that. My specific... Yeah. My, if I was thinking of doing that, I almost did instead of Nazis. But um, I found it interesting in the big dancey scene where they're in the bar or whatever um she's wearing this white dress and then she's got these pearl earrings and um but then the woman on stage is also wearing a white dress and she's coming out of a clamshell so to me that was just symbolizing okay this woman is coming out of clamshell meaning she's a valuable precious object to be hold 
held and be held by these men and this male gaze. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that that's all that was happening during that dinner sequence, especially that guy was just like oogling her boobs right. like the whole time. That older director man. Mr. Fields. <laughs> W.C. Fields. It was W.C. Fields, which was hilarious. Yeah. Hello, my chickadee. <laughs> they, and to remind you that W.C. Fields was a perv, they actually do an insert shot of Jennifer Connelly's sweet rack, which was a little much, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I was surprised about the amount of oh. boobs. Like, her first scene, well, like, I mean. her her first moment on stage, she's pulling her leggings up into her, like, her dress. Like, yeah. that's, you watch that happen, and yeah. it's like, okay, well, there's a woman, and then she's got boobs, and she walks around. And she does cool things. I have to say that things are she's cool. She's a solid character. Yeah. yeah, she's actually not a pushover. Again, um, her and, her and uh, Timothy Dalton... Uh, uh, their performances, I think, are really... Yeah, I think they of. saved the movie, honestly. Well, thank you very much. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what analysis bring you? Uh, what I want to look at today with The Rocketeer is twofold. I think there are two uh, major things trying to be accomplished within The Rocketeer. Uh, the first is that it is a metaphor for America's involvement in the Great Wars. And becoming a metaphor for America, Cliff Secord becomes an avatar for the U.S. Uh, his youth, arrogance, and renegade mentality reflect America's own attitudes. Yeah. Always eager to try to rise to the occasion to save the day, even when their interference isn't necessarily wanted. (laughs) Much like Cliff, America wants to be the face of the world. Both Cliff and the U.S. have a huge chip on their shoulder. They want to be the hero that is needed, even when they aren't fully prepared or fully understand their purpose. Cliff's own role in the heroic uh, destiny doesn't begin until after an attack occurs on his home field, the airfield to be exact. That's when Cliff decides to entangle himself in this ongoing battle between the feds and the Nazis. And this is a similar pattern of events. This is Pearl Harbor, eh? To that of Pearl Harbor. And America deciding uh, to become involved in the war. After the attack on Pearl Harbor, America decides it must save the day no matter what happens. The metaphor continues as we take a look at the rocket pack itself. Uh, The rocket is an undisclosed project being developed by Howard Hughes for governmental and specifically military projects. Both the U.S. and Germany want to get their hands on this technology. Uh, This recalls the work on the early atomic bomb. A new technology that wasn't fully understood but had a great impact and power. This is reflected uh, when the jetpack develops a leak and the understanding of how dangerous the jetpack can be uh, to themselves is understood. Secondly and finally, uh, the Rocketeer seeks to apologize for the long-standing rumors that Walt Disney was an anti-Semite. It was long believed in popular culture that Disney was a bit of a racist and sexist, uh, far from the myth that the brand has developed around him, most notably seen in the recent Saving Mr. Banks. Supposedly, Disney was known for consorting with Nazi sympathizers and anti-Semitic groups. There seems to be some evidence that supports this, but nothing super concrete. However, it is a rumor that has held ground for quite a while in Hollywood. I want to interject real quick. I feel like we've talked about this on the show before. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to go out on a limb and defend Walt Disney real quick. It's easy to vilify someone in the public eye. Um, By most actual concrete as arthur said some of those things aren't really that concrete by all concrete accounts he was probably an anti-semite but no more or less than any other man of his day just because white men have always and will always be shitty probably um but you know there was a culture of anti-semitism uh in our country at that time and it wasn't uncommon so again yeah he was probably a bigot but not like you know gold star level you know championship bigot just regular schmo bit kind of bigot. bronze Bronze, bronze star, yeah, bronze level bigot. Uh, this theory gains a bit of traction as two of the main supporting characters are played by actors of Jewish heritage uh, within the Rocketeer. Uh, we have the Hollywood icon Neville Sinclair and admitted nod to Errol Flynn, and based off a rumor that Flynn was a Nazi spy. 
However, Sinclair, a Hollywood icon, looks much more like a young Walt Disney, especially with the mustache. I'd like to offer that Sinclair represents both Flynn and Disney. Uh, the Nazis here, while villainous, quite easily get their comeuppance. At least the spy ring led by Sinclair. And Sinclair, in a very glorious moment, straps the rocket on and blows himself up by accident. The villain is vanquished, and the rocketeer, in his most iconic image, is backed by the American flag, stands tall, having saved the day. Uh, during the final sequence, blind patriotism kicks in, and the mobsters who had been working for Sinclair turn on him to fight alongside the feds. At the end of the film, America stands tall, and the Nazi is nothing but a joke that has been vanquished. Outstanding. Yeah, uh, that was great. Thank you. Very, very well done, Mr. Very Gordon. Very much, Mr. Gordon. And, and, you know, it really dovetails well with what I want to talk about, because I want to talk about ideology and propaganda uh, a little bit uh, in the film. Now, we, we me- I mentioned earlier in my review, there's this propaganda film that we see of these, you know, Nazi uh, rocketeers that are going to uh, be, you know, invading the whole world and spreading, you know, uh, Nazi uh I guess just the flag uh, throughout, and uh, it's a very, very disturbing sort of thing. And you know, you, you see that they're showing these videos, or these again, these films. I keep saying the word videos because I'm so 21st century. <laughs> uh, but as though you see these things, you think about them being shown as screeners at at a uh, at a cinema somewhere in Berlin or Frankfurt or Heidelberg or wherever, and uh, that these young people be going, "Yeah, that's a good thing. You know, we're the good guys, and we're not going to do that." And how how terrible that is. And, and then, then the sneaky thing about ideology. Go ahead, Dalton. Oh, I, I, I was just going to point out, I don't know if you were going to go anywhere with this, but I, I want to make sure it got said if you didn't. The Nazis in this movie are so evil that their own inspirational propaganda film has ominous music instead of yes. what you could assume <laughs> if they if an American spy stole it, like Howard Hughes says, it would probably have a real uplifting score as opposed to the ominous tones that we are treated to lots of french horns and lots of brass yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's exactly what it would be but yeah. yeah so but then that's the thing is that the rocketeer actually is a uh, an example of american propaganda uh, of, about the sort of the myth of how awesome we were how awesome we we, yeah, we always are and then, then the thing is is like it's easy to say we're awesome and especially in, in a situation like world war ii because we did not exterminate six million jews you know it's it's not it's not very difficult to lose that battle right um that particular measuring contest but the thing is is what the film actually ends up doing is it does not allow us just to be good on some fronts it has to rehabilitate the bit of history to make sure that america is the best on all the fronts specifically in terms of the weapons race and uh, you know arthur has already mentioned you know operation paperclip and uh, that whole um, opportunity uh, where we were trying to develop the bomb and uh, yeah paperclip which is you know a very very simple machine for a very very complex machine and of course the first thing that's said when uh, the 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 rock is discovered you know it's too complex to be a bomb uh, of course there is a particular bomb that is very very complex that's going to be worked on later in the film but what's what the story starts up as as this uh american invention by howard hughes you know this great american inventor you know sort of a legend of his own time you know with a with a cool little aviator spruce goose little joke uh, that, was, that, that was fun that goes uh, in inside the america's film. america's proudest inventor and jar peer. But the thing is, the reason why we were able to develop the bond, bomb first is because we would blow the gates off of certain parts of occupied Europe and we would take German scientists yep. home with us, Oppenheimer and others, yep. and uh, bring them so that we could use their wisdom. Basically doing exactly what the bad guys are trying to yeah. do in the Rocketeer yeah. by stealing technology That's how we and won. secrets. 
Well, we just were Wait, nice enough. We stole we, their rockets we, first. We we allowed, stole their science. Well, thing. I was actually commenting on like the Rocketeer in that moment where they showed the film oh, of the yeah. Nazi, Nazis oh. blowing up. We originally took the ideas from yeah. the rocket about she, the rocket. She means in the Rocketeer. Oh. In the Howard film, Hughes says we got the idea from the for the rocket from, pack, from the video. From oh. the video, yeah, okay. we just okay. made them not blow up the and the made film. them We're work. Doing it all the time. So, yeah, I mean, it's even in the text of the movie. Yeah, you're right. Okay, good. I, I like that. But, but the idea is that this is American technology, and now the Germans want it, you know, because they're, the, the, the Ratsies are after us, and uh, they're going to they're gonna steal all of our ideas. But the thing is, is that's precisely what we did, and we would, you know, go to great lengths uh, to do that. But that's, that's the way ideology works. It's mm-hmm. sort of, you know, the inevitability of the situation. And so what ide- ideology seeks to defend is not only just the actual narrative in which, you know, there's a situation where maybe a nation did act here heroically, especially on the European front, uh, to uh, take yeah. care of some serious issues uh, there. But it has to. we have to make sure that every single aspect, that we must be the good guys in all the ways. And so it actually functions as this sort of rah-rah America, America sort of... Uh, Very America uh, yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, agitprop. And, uh, and 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 I, f- I find that to be really interesting. And so, of course, it's all you know covered in red, white, and blue imagery. You know, yeah. Great iconic drop off uh, when the when the rocketeer goes and takes on the Hindenburg. You know, um, <laughs> and uh, with the American flag in the background, these FBI guys and uh, and uh, gangsters fighting side by side mm-hmm. because you know that that's something that unites us because we have this good cause. Again, we're the best guys. Not to mention the fact that you know this is a war largely fought by conscripts, by a draft, mm-hmm. by people who didn't want to go fight. Um, yeah. But they had to. And so that, you know, again... I still have my grandfather's draft card. And so all of these little bits of history are sort of being you know, whitewashed and smoothed over just a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I find that... Uh, well, I think we're doing a disservice to our own history by doing that because, I mean, it's more, compli- more complex and I, I think that deepens... It, it only serves to to better highlight and... Uh, I guess even glamorize the, the the more shiny parts of our history when they come with the bad. I think it 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 further elevates the good things that we've done. If we just pretend we're all always great all the time, then it's like, well, yeah, when it's not that big a deal. But when you acknowledge that we've done some really bad stuff uh, and we've done some questionable, if not outright morally bad things, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you acknowledge that, then it helps. I think to elevate some of the better things that we have managed to do. And I think the efforts to keep from acknowledging that by use of propaganda. And again, mm-hmm. I'm going to say The Rocketeer, it's a propaganda film. Um, and that's a pretty inflammatory thing to say because Nazis do propaganda, mm-hmm. not us. Mm-hmm. And uh, the point is, we all, everybody's got propaganda. Everything yeah. really is propaganda. And uh, so when we recognize that and we're able to be aware of that, we're able to sort of get the ideology glasses of you know uh, John Carpenter's They Live and be able to see past that. And uh, do something about it. So that's the reading that I would like to offer uh, to the Rocketeer. Very good. And that's good. thanks, guys. And uh, thank you all for your all um, fantastic analyses. And uh, just so uh, so glad to be talking about this movie, dear listener. We'd love to hear your readings and thoughts about it as well. But we now move to a point in the show where a verdict must be given: shelf or trash. Else or instead, I expect a split jury um, this week, and so I am excited to see and to hear what shall be said. You must choose. Choose wisely. I begin with you, Mr. Arthur Gordon, picker of the film, perhaps setter of the tone. We shall see. What is what say you, sir? It's on my shelf. I I really like this movie. It's a lot of fun, and so there's that. You know, I think it's it's fun. Part of me or as 
Alex is saying with if you have kids over and babysitting something like that, I think it's a fun movie for them to watch. And I think I don't, I don't think it's you know, I don't think it's terribly harmful. Um, I would say you watch this with Joe Johnson's spiritual successor, Captain America, absolutely, uh, which is the much better version of this film in a lot of ways. He did Sky Captain too, right? Maybe. No, 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 he didn't. He didn't. I just looked at his filmography okay, a second ago. Sky Captain doesn't work. Um, I also say you watch it with Big Trouble in Little China uh, to see the hero's journey played with again there. And then for fun political reasonings, you watch with Avatar and Stargate. Well, thank you uh, very, very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what say you shall for trash else or instead? I, I, I honestly can't endorse you go out of your way to see this. I mean, it's fine. It's not a waste of your time, but it's also not a necessity. So while I'm not going to full-on trash it, I mean, maybe throw it in the waste basket. Don't throw it in a dumpster. Um, but yeah, it's it's totally disposable. It's going it, to all end up in a landfill. <laughs> recycle, not recycle. incinerate. Exactly. Recycle, don't incinerate. Recycle it for Captain America, the first Avenger. Don't, you know, jettison it out the airlock. Because um, it's it's fine. It's it's fine. But there's nothing special about it, and I just can't. I can't endorse you spend money on it. Um, if you happen to be bored and it's you know it's still streaming on Netflix, yeah, I give it a shot. It's not. Wait, gonna... it was streaming on Netflix. Yeah, man. Oh, I torrented it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> whoops. That's all right. You're paying for Netflix. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, now you have to turn it on and play it when you leave your apartment one day. Yeah. So it gets it the hits. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, whatever. It's fine. Uh. Watch Indiana Jones. Um, it's better. Take it. Yeah. It's it's. A, I thought that too. Yeah. I I just like thought that the whole time from the for the dame needing saving to the Nazi yeah. who makes you know a guy makes a deal with the Nazis. It's pulp and, inspired. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Um, speaking of pulp inspired, watch Star Wars. Um, watch Captain America, like Arthur said. Uh, watch Hidalgo, uh, which is also pulp inspired and also directed by Joe Johnson and features Viggo Mortensen being fun. I I, I compared them earlier. Um, I have fond memories of Hidalgo. I haven't seen it since I was like 15, though, so there is that to consider, but also Cowboys, which are cooler than Pilots. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Miss Alexandra Bohannon, what say you? Shell for trash, else, or instead? Mm, put it in the recycling bin and, until you have, like, your nieces over or something. Like, I mean, it. I mean, saying it is not the worst of the worst. It shouldn't belong on any, like bottom IMDb 100 list or anything, but it's certainly not something I plan on revisiting probably ever. Um, but I did enjoy the Nazis and seeing seeing a dame kick some ass, you know. Um, I would say that you could watch instead a... And you could watch Iron Man because th- that's kind of what this movie is, but, yeah, you know, not big. pulp, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Raiders. <laughs> what if... What if um, Cliff and Howard Hughes were the same person? Go. (laughs) That would be very interesting. Q Q Iron Man. Yeah. Um, You could watch Raiders. Raiders would be a fun, um, like Dalton said. And that was was pretty it. I mean, I feel like a lot of movies during this late 80s, early 90s kind of have this tone. So, I I mean, it seems like you could pick any <laughs> movie from from that time period family friendly comedy non-offensive you know you can pick anything really excellent well thank you very much miss bohannon i am going to say trash um and that's just it. yeah he's gonna boom man i was like recycling bin, and he was like wastebasket and no no i i think this is i mean because this is a movie podcast when in, in a world in which there are lots of movies and um 
you know, your time is better spent somewhere. You could else. watch Snowpiercer. You could well, you could watch it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things that could possibly. You watch happen. anything else? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I really, this is not. This is in no way essential. Um, in my mind, again, I, I saw it ten years old. Loved to play the video game over and over and over again. First time I revisited it since I was in, you know, before I was a preteen, basically. And I'm like, nah, I don't. I don't need this again. And so that would be what I would say. So what you should watch instead, uh, if you're into aviation and those sort of things, I have two recommendations. Martin Scorsese's The Aviator, um, featuring uh, Mr. DiCaprio um, doing the thing he does. And also, in terms of animation, maybe a little bit more on a children's side, is uh, Miyazaki's The Wind Rises. Oh, yeah. Oh, about the, uh, yeah, the guy that's, that built the uh, oh, Zero. Yeah, which is maybe a kid's movie, not so much for kids. But my kids yeah. loved it. No, that's that's a lovely suggestion. And so I, I think that is time better spent uh, for the cinephile podcast listener type uh, than the Rocketeer. But we move on, dear listener. What are your um, suggestions there? Shelf or trash elsewhere instead when it comes to the Rocketeer? And how can we keep that conversation going via those magical means we all know as social media, which is the next part of our show that we're into right now? Mr. Arthur Gordon, do you know anything about social media means by which the conversation may be held? Uh, yes. Uh, first and foremost, you could email us, uh, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Send those uh, reviews and comments our way. We'll read them on air. Also, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash goodtrashgenrecast. Uh, we had a couple of bits of uh, feedback this week on the Facebook uh, in regards to our Mulholland Drive episode 100 drop. Uh, Vesley, uh was thankful that we finally got around to uh, watching Mulholland Drive Hashtag Silencio. Also, uh, I put out a question just asking uh, what people's favorite movies are in regards to having a case of the Mondays. And Nick Sanford said M. <laughs> the, the fun, yes. classic M. Yeah, as well as... Peter Lorre in Germany um, film. <laughs> that's, that's a fantastic, strange pick. Also, uh, Dresden Gatlin said Goonies is his Monday, case of the Mondays watch. And Kyle Davison said Terminator 2. Good pick, Kyle. Go, nice. Very good. Is that all the feedback we got coming in, Mr. Gordon? Yes. Well, thank you very much. Mr. Dalton Stewart, do you know anything else about social media means by which a conversation may be held? Would that you drink of my tweets as deeply. <laughs> thank oh, you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you can find the Good Trash Genre Cast on Twitter at good underscore trash. Any feedback coming in from the Twitsy Twitter? Uh, yeah, actually quite a bit. Um, Heck yeah. Most of it from Caleb Vesley. We'll That's get, okay, Vesley. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll take it. Um, first one coming in from Brigham Cole. That's at Brigham Cole on Twitter. Uh, Doll Stu and Alex's analysis of Mulholland Drive. Quote, I am he as you are he as you are me and we are all together. Yes. <laughs> that covers it. I am the Eggman. You yes. are the Eggman. I am the Walrus. Excellent. Very well played. Coo-coo-coo-choo. Um, so Caleb wrote in to let us know that the robe and the ashtray uh, are so that you can piece together the timeline of events at the end since it jumps around so much that's in regard to Mulholland Drive and uh, us saying that uh, Mr. Fincher or Mr. Fincher Mr. Lynch's uh, clues were basically useless that's a Freudian slip yeah it is so that made me happy I was like oh well that's good to know and also I you know I retweeted and stuff and then he wrote in again uh Caleb Leslie said my favorite moment uh from the show is when Dolstu that's my Twitter handle, kids. Uh, and uh, Arthur, which is at Roundtable Review, saying, Baby, come back. And we sang it to Caleb. That did happen. Yeah, Caleb spent several weeks without giving feedback, so me and Arthur sang, Baby, come back. As I recall, I believe I cut in the actual song. Uh, well, you could have. <laughs> 
Uh, Caleb then wrote in again, uh, tagging the show, but then tagging my personal Twitter account, saying, We may act like we hate each other, but it's guy love. We don't compromise. It's guy love between two guys. Which is, uh, I think that's a Lonely Island reference. I think it's scrubs. Thing. Is it a scrub reference? Yeah. That's scrubs. what it is. Yeah. So, uh, I went ahead and from the uh, the show's account said, Don't let at K underscore love underscore Vesley defeat you, listeners. He is killing it with the feedback this week. Let's put him in his place. Hashtag suck it, Vesley. Nice. I did not know <laughs> what I was getting myself into when I did that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Let me know. So he just flooded, flooded <laughs> it. <laughs> so I'm just going to read these all. There is no break in feedback from other listeners. This is just all Caleb Vesley. Play it on me, baby. At Good Trash. Special shout out to Dustin for raising me in his ways. Thanks for basically being my mentor. I love you, man. Yay. At Good Trash. Still plotting to get back at you guys for that Tariq comment. It made me laugh way more than I would like to admit. <laughs> See, see you're next. See you're next, yes. Um, at Good Trash. Oh, Arthur. Art. I wouldn't leave you out. Metaphorically speaking, I would jump your beardy bones in best sense. <laughs> yes, his grammar was incorrect in that tweet. You should be ashamed of yourself, Caleb. At Good Trash. It's a GTVT Good Trash Vesley takeover. Oh, no. <laughs> good Trash. Alex. I'm not good at this kind of thing, but that'll do, pig. Keep her around. <laughs> at Good Trash, Vesley out. <laughs> oh, wow. Lord. That's hey, fantastic. Hey, Caleb, suck it. <laughs> uh, last, uh, Brigham did want to chime in on his thoughts on uh, Monty Python picks uh, in regard to Monty Python and the Holy Grail show. He would like to offer up, and now for something completely different, which, uh, as Alex pointed out when we recorded, it is technically Python's first foray into films. Uh, even though it's just a recreation of sketches from the uh, television series Flying Circus. But uh, uh, Brigham did want to give some love to that that Monty Python uh, film entry. So that's what we've got coming in from uh, the Twitter in the way of feedback this week. Oh, I like it when there's lots of feedback. There are more ratings. There are no written reviews, but there are more ratings happening at the iTunes. And, of course, keep them coming, dear listener. Uh, again, I realize that people's um, timing uh, of actually getting the podcast is, is sort of uneven. But as you are picking up um, these shows, please, please go ahead and drop that feedback as quick as you can. Again, you can write a review or not, but if you just write a few words, we would love that. And we yep. will read them on the air. So we now move on to uh, maybe perhaps a favorite favorite part of the show where we realize it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. This week's game is because we watched something of a hero film, uh, something of a superhero film uh, is our favorite heroic analysis from the last 102 episodes. That's right. Most inspiring slash heroic analyses from the last 102 episodes. Inspiring heroic analyses. When it seems like your movies are about jack shit, call Arthur Gordon. <laughs> Therefore, the game is uh, just a, we're gonna basically uh, brag on each other. It's going. It's going. It's to, gonna be machine it, fun. It's, yeah, it's gonna be that. Yeah. So. Well, it'll it'll steal us for next week, which I'm, we'll talk more about later. I'm, I'm already pre disgusted. So anyway, uh, we'll move and go ahead and begin that. Um, I begin with you, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What are your favorite heroic moments of analysis? Uh, one is gonna go to our guest host. 
um, that we had with us when we did Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, where Philip Harvey um, did a very, very, very good, I believe it was a structuralist uh, reading of Star Trek Into Darkness, and did a lot of things just with language and what people were saying and how what they was were going saying on it. screen. Yeah, I recall a, that. A very, very good uh, analysis. Uh, my next one is going to go to Dustin uh, with his analysis of Barbarian Sound Studio, where he looked at it as a, a metaphor kind of lens of classic Hollywood in the studio system and the way all those things were ran and looking at that whole setup. Yeah. And that was a very good analysis and very inspiring. And finally, I'm going to give one to Dalton. Um, I wasn't no. here for the show, but uh, I listened back to the Blair Witch Project episode. And I really enjoyed the analysis he did there with that film. What did I talk about? Um, I don't remember. You I just remember, remember that was good? I remember being inspired by it. Well, I now have to re-listen to that episode. Thank you, Arthur. It was very nice of you. I think you're, I don't know if it was othering. It may have been othering. Probably. <laughs> probably othering. It's probably othering. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what are your picks? Um, well, I also want to give some love to uh, our, our guest hosts. Um Firstly, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Caleb Masters. When he uh, guested on our episode over The Wire, um, this most, this, uh, gosh, two or three weeks ago, whenever that was, we did the, our episode over The Wire. Uh, it was really solid analysis. Actually, it was um, analysis that I, I'm glad got done, because if I hadn't done the one I did, that's probably something along the lines of what I would have uh, chose to talk about. He also did a, a really great job when he, he guested on our American Psycho episode, so... Uh, good job, Masters. Uh, we really appreciate that. I wish you could have been that good when you were on the show. <laughs> oh! Ouch! Boom! No, I'm just playing. Uh, you know you know, I love you, bud. Um, those are really solid uh, uh, analyses, though. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to my, my good friend, Kirsten Thurkelson, who uh, guest-hosted on our episode for Year Next uh, and kind of just looked at the film as a deconstruction of feminine heroes, uh, which was really cool. Um and also talked about how shitty rich white people were a little bit, which I think we all did a little bit. Uh, moving on to our core group, uh, Alex uh, did a reading about personhood for Total Recall, which would have been probably her third or fourth episode. So very impressive stuff right out of the gate. Um, Arthur, earlier this year, um, gave a reading uh, on the film In Bruges, which would have been probably our second episode for uh, 2014, uh, talking about... Um, the titular Bruges as a metaphor for purgatory uh, and, and an attempt at redemption, which, fi in Bruges, that's a good movie. Um, and that was a good episode, and I definitely recommend you watch the film and, and check out uh, our episode. Last but certainly not least, uh, Mr. Dustin Sells. Um, I tried to pick uh, one of his, you know, Marxist readings, but Christ, there's a, a hundred um, out of 103 episodes, so... It's impossible, uh, and usually I'm right there ranting along with him. So, see Event Horizon and Jurassic Park, and um, those are just the first two that come to mind. Recently, he talked about one. Uh, I think Roger Rabbit too. Um, yeah, everything. It comes up. He talks about how people are always being um, mistreated, and it's beautiful. But the one that really stands out. Way back uh, last year, we did an episode over Ghostbusters. Um, and Dustin did a <laughs> Dustin did a brilliant Freudian reading, uh, talking about how how it's all about Bill Murray's attempt to control Sigourney Weaver's sexuality. Um, my mother listened to that episode, and I had to explain basically how film analysis works to her from scratch. 
Um, it was awesome, and that's that. That was truly inspired. Um, not to, the least of all to mention the exploding eggs on the counter. That's a big Twinkie. So those are my picks um, for for some of the most inspired analyses that have ever occurred on this fine program. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Uh, Ms. Bohannon, what are your picks? Hey there. So uh, I got some picks. You guys were inspiring. Um, I I'm so happy to be on the show. I just. You guys have blown my mind into a thousand little pieces and put it back together and blown it apart again. I would have to say um, for some ones that I remember specifically, because pretty much any time I show up, everyone brings like such great stuff to the table. I just um, it's constantly blown. But ones that I remember my very first show, Dustin brought to the table. And this is probably I, I think I've seen this reading, but I've never actually heard it, how to explain to me about how Harry Potter I mean, to la- use a turn of phrase, has the othering of the everyone, the, the tragic mulatto and the AIDS crisis and everything within it. Yeah, because werewolves are part of the AIDS. Oh, wow. Yeah, I forgot. No, yeah, now I remember. Yeah, um, and that as someone who grew up with the films and the books and all of the lore and the canon and everything for Harry Potter, that just blew my my eight-year-old mind's mind and then of course my 23 year old mind's mind uh that was really really great um for arthur i really really enjoy hot fuzz i love the cornetto trilogy so hearing one of my favorite movies dissected in i mean how long was that was originally from a larger work you made right correct yeah yeah it was a paper I'd That's written. an Albuquerque conference paper. Correct. Yeah, I mean, hearing a conference paper about Hot Fuzz just like made me so so happy, and that was just that was a that was a great analysis. So appreciate that. And last but not least, there's this one. Hi. And uh, this one over here, uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I uh, we we talk about othering people on the show, but I feel like one of my favorite times I've been othered by Dalton <laughs> was uh, on the Texas. <laughs> Phrasing. <laughs> I accidentally a word. Um, probably one of my favorite moments for analysis for him was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because that one just sticks out in my head Thank about you. your othering. And, um, you know, there were lots of opportunities for other in the othering in that movie i felt like our analyses kind of fell into lockstep with each other on we, that uh, one they're pretty s- similar apparently we were all on point on that show yeah we've, we've been had a lot of nice things said about everything we said on that show by uh, numerous people yeah that was a that was a good one so those are mine excellent excellent well, thank you very much miss bohannon the things i'd want to say um uh, first of all i want to say um for alex uh the, the the one that blew me away was harry potter the very first show we had her on Aww. and uh, you know um alex doesn't come from uh the same sort of film background that the rest of us do uh but she was uh she worked really hard she definitely had a lot of detail she gave this sort of uh adaptation analysis theory uh, uh as far as the written word versus the uh, celluloid works uh that followed and uh, i realized you know and we we had conversation later together as group i'm like you know what this, this girl can do some stuff and uh you know we need a little variety on the show anyway because it's a bunch of white dudes talking and uh so there's something we need to have a conversation about there anyway and, I'm and like, now it's just a bunch of white people and now it's just yeah just gringos Sorry. uh but uh that being said um yeah i was really just blown away and i thought it was yeah. fantastic she did, she did, you, did, you did good kid oh 
I've mentioned this before uh, with Arthur, but um, way back when I when I, this is probably the moment I realized a show could be a show mm-hmm. uh, was when we got into our very first October. We started in a September, mm-hmm. and our very first October we're doing a Halloween thing, and Arthur gave this reading of Hellraiser, yeah, uh, 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 about uh, sadism and masochism and how the audience functions in both roles, where we're sadists watching the uh, the the you know, victims being tortured, and we're also masochists torturing ourselves uh, by placing us ourselves in, in the situation of being fearful. And I thought, okay. We, we might have something we, here. We, I think we're going to go somewhere uh, with this. And so I was really, really just uh, impressed with that. Um, I also was very, very thrilled with his reading of Stargate, where he talked about the first Gulf War and some uh, allusions to the second Gulf War and uh, blew my mind. Really good. Yeah, all, all my brain juice just you know fell out of my eyes, and uh, it was it was fantastic in that moment. Um, finally, uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart, uh, uh, to whom I w- never wish to say anything kind, um, so this is really uh, difficult for me to do. But um, he gave a really really solid reading of Compliance um, not very long ago, uh, back in episode twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> by, by not very long ago, he means. Way back, which means, as far as he's concerned, it's the last useful thing I did. It was. This, no, I'm, I'm going further forward yet. Um, it's a sad because I'm giving everybody to. Uh, oh, so the sad episode. You're sweet. And uh, so uh, that's what we called. We it. called it the sad episode. Yeah. Because oh my goodness, well, it was the first serious movie we did. I think. Yeah. 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 It was. It I was so. pretty mm-hmm. tragic. But and, um, uh, but it gave a great uh, bit bit of reading of some sociological studies and also some excellent sort of site observations uh, of a particular sign in a parking lot. Go back and look at that uh, if you want to check that out. And then finally, um, because I do want to just name a Marxist rant that happened on the show, and that happened on American Psycho. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. And uh, yeah, it pleased me, warmed the, the the cockles of my red heart, and uh, so I got a little feisty on that one. <laughs> Very. I listened to that after we recorded it, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> what did I say? Yeah, he'll set your face on fire. Oh um, my god. It made me giggle that he just went that far with it. So, good stuff there, and I, I really appreciate it. I have nothing to say about it, the guest hosts, ever. And so, moving He <laughs> likes me better than the guests. Yay! Uh, but, no, I'm kidding. We all, we all just do our best to please you. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but thank you so much, uh, dear listener, for hearing our gameplay here. And we, of course, would love to hear uh, your most inspired moments of analysis. Uh, we have gotten a few feedback moments, and so I anticipate some of my our listeners, uh, what they might say, but I would just love to hear that in the future uh, about what you think about moments from Good Trash, where you're like, okay, that analysis was on point. And so we'd like to hear that. But let's move on and conclude the show as we always do with what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. You're on fire. That's how you know you're on the road. When you're hot, it's like you're burning up everyone else's home. You're on fire. Miss Alexandra Bohan, are you fired up? I'm pretty fired. Um, I've had some time to go on vacation and got chance to catch up on stuff and learn about some new things my mom purchased for me um as you witch which is carrie elwis's uh mini memoir about his making experience of the princess bride and it is a fantastic book i have it if you want to borrow it and it is just it's a delightful romp i did tear up in a couple of places because it is oh it's such a wonderful film learning some of the you know trade secrets and trivia behind it and then realizing that robert right uh not, not robert robin wright is claire underwood i don't know if i fully knew that until i finally saw her pictures mind grapes exploded I yeah mean, i know that's the same actress but now the yeah. princess buttercup is 
Claire Underwood. Yeah. She's also Jenny Gump. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah fucking pay attention to the yeah. credits, you people. They, well, get, they worked hard on the well, movie. Well, I mean, we, I, mean I, I, know, I mean, we know the names. It's just that, that the, the range of the actors. Is yeah. No, I mean, here. she has yeah. a great range. The, Robin Wright's She has a British business. stepfather, so that's why her accent is so good in that film. I did not know that. Yeah. And um, that was... That my little mind was blown on that one. Um, secondly, another piece of pop culture that I'm ashamed to acknowledge that I might like is I was in a hotel room and we were trying to not go to sleep and we watched Once Upon a Time and it was near the series, the season finale. Um, this is the season that has Anna and Elsa of the Frozen fame. It is really interesting. It is. Have you guys not seen or heard of it? No, I'm familiar with the show, and I'm familiar with Frozen. They put the princesses from Frozen in the... Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, names and all. Like, it's that not a just quick, a carbon uh, copy storyline. Yeah. I mean... That was a quick turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, obviously, Disney is sly like that with um, because they own ABC. They do yep. these things. But it was really, really interesting. It just affirmed my needing to watch this show because I knew I'd like it, but I didn't. I know it's pretty soap opera-y, except it has, like, princesses and magic and cool stuff like that. Yeah, have you seen it, Arthur? Keep on nodding. I've seen the first season. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah do you like it? First season's good. Okay, all right. I'll, it's on Netflix, so I'm probably going to finish watching some of that. And then last but not least, so uh, I don't know if you remember, and I'm probably the only one that does. Uh, I Last week, or last time you listened, dear listener, I said that I had an opportunity to play uh. with one of my <laughs> uh, favorite video game streamers online. And uh, update. Out, uh, there's an update. <laughs> so... <laughs> So what happened was I was like bemoaning the fact that I didn't get to do it. I actually got really upset about the fact that I just like boobed so hard and neglected to uh, click yes on his invitation. But so Heath was just like, just just write him an email, see if see if he'll reply. And I'm like, um, okay. And so I wrote him an email Nerd. <laughs> for his YouTube account, basically saying, oh, I love your work, and I didn't get to play with you, and I added my username at the end so he could look me up later. And, Did he invite you again? Um, well, he it was like a week went by, and I'm like, okay, he's just too busy. He probably gets a lot of those, like, yeah. play with me kind of requests in his email. He wrote me back. Aww. He wrote me back saying, oh, yeah, I stream all the time. It's so nice to hear from you yeah we can catch a game whenever i'll be on and then he's like i remember your username so i'll make sure to do it and he's streaming right now so i might go home and play with him if if, if he's still there Fun. Uh, yeah so that was that literally made my week that was a rough <laughs> week and that just like i actually printed his email it's like the closest thing i'll have to this man's autograph until i meet him in person but fresh oh my gosh anyway I so that's my did not know that people who let other people watch them play video games had fans oh my gosh <laughs> you would be surprised anyway i am outstanding well thank you very much miss bohannon mr dalton stewart are you fired up this week yeah a little bit uh, i meant to talk about this last week and i forgot um i don't know if you guys know this uh, i know i've talked about it a little bit uh, i got really into arrow when the second season went on netflix and watched it all in like a week um so now i'm caught up and i'm watching flash and arrow as they're airing and uh the flash arrow crossover was a lot of fun uh, it was a blast, actually, uh, and those shows are just really good. Uh, both episodes uh, have, you know, taken a break for the holidays and uh, had fabulous cliffhanger endings. Um, one of which might be more of a cliff dropper ending. Um, should be Cray. 
Um, they're good. Sh- they're just good shows. Like when, when Arrow first started airing, I was adamantly against it, and I was like, "This looks like garbage." CW doesn't have to make anything good. They haven't done anything good since Buffy when they were the BW, WB. Um, <laughs> man, Arrow and Flash are great. They're fun shows. They're interesting shows. Uh, yeah, they're a little trashy, uh, but in the best kind of way. Uh, and th- th- that crossover uh, two-parter was really fun. Yeah, I, Flash is a lot of fun. I'm a couple episodes behind, but it, it, I'm really surprised by the Flash. It's infinitely more fun than Arrow. Arrow is much more dour and grim. Yeah, but yeah. but it it doesn't feel like it's forced. You know, it doesn't feel like it's trying to be gritty and cool. It just kind of is. Next, more about television. Um, I kind of halfway keep up with Agents of Shield. You know, I watch it when I have time um, on Hulu. Uh, but Kyle McLaughlin is, is in the middle of a couple episodes arc, and he is, yeah. Oh, what? Dustin is, like, twitching yeah. and quivering yeah, right you're, now. Your you're dad, um, Kyle yes. McLaughlin, is full <laughs> tilt Lynchian bonkers on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it's hilariously delightful. He, uh, he, he, uh, he gets, uh, I can't think of the actor's name, uh, Greg, Clark Greg. He gets Clark Gregg to comply with his wishes by performing battlefield surgery poorly on purpose. Wow! On somebody, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I I truly am Kyle McLaughlin's love child. You look so, a lot like him. It's so weird. It's exciting. Um, <laughs> last but not least, right before we recorded, actually, I was able to go uh, check out Chris Rock's top five, um, which I didn't really know a whole lot about going in. Uh, friend of the show, Nick Sanford, said, "Hey, let's go see this movie." I said, "Yeah, okay." Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's really good. It's very funny, but it's also very personal. Uh, and that was something I appreciated. It doesn't feel self-indulgent like very personal films uh, can when it's coming from somebody with, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Uh, when you make a personal indie film, it's, you know, daring and provocative. Mm-hmm. When when you make a personal film when you're already successful, it can be somewhat self-aggrandizing. Um, and I wouldn't go as far as to say that the top five is semi-autobiographical but i mean the the character that he plays in this film is certainly has had a similar career trajectory to mr rock uh in real life um and it's just a it's a it's a fun film um great music uh the music producers for the film were uh jay-z and kanye and um i think Questlove might have actually been involved as well so um yeah just a really good team putting the soundtrack together for the film chris rock wrote a really good script that just kind of talks about how it can be hard to to try and strive to be an artist and how you know your personal doubt can keep you from being the person you want to be when you're afraid of failure um it's a good movie and rosario dawson's rocking a sweet undercut in it um so yeah go see top five it's really good Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, are you fired up this week? A little bit. Um, I got to recently pick up a, uh, the Blu-ray copy of Guardians of the Galaxy, which yeah. just released. And so I'm very excited about that uh, because it's a lot of fun. Um, I also just got to read uh, Stephen King's new book, Revival, uh, which is a nice throwback to classic Stephen King supernatural-type horror mm-hmm. uh, that he did earlier. Was that the, uh, the third one he's released this year? Second, got two out this year. Close, like two out next year. The guy just—I don't know—released like two, two to four books a year it's for ridiculous. the last twenty years. Yeah. I mean, if you call his office and like he can't come to the phone right now, he's writing a book. He could probably just hold <laughs> <laughs> ten minutes. Yeah, he's a machine. He's like a factory. Uh, but it was—it was—it was enjoyable. It was a fun little fun little book. Um, 
I am excited. Uh, Parks and Rec will be coming back soon in January. Yeah. I believe the 13th of mm-hmm. January. Uh, we get the final season uh, premiere for the show. Sad. I am sad it's going to be a, the last season, but I'm very excited to get more Parks and Rec. I also finally got to start watching season nine of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. How is it? I haven't watched any of that one yet. Um, I got to watch the first episode, and it was hilarious. Yay. Very this good. is the one that was the first one to air on FXX, right? I believe it's the second. Okay. I believe eight was the first one. Okay. But uh, yeah, this one's one of the FXXX uh, versions of It's Always Sunny. I believe there are 10 episodes to the season, so it's going to be a quick watch. Uh, but the comedy is pretty spot on in the first episode. There's a great story uh, that plays out through that episode, and it's a lot of fun. And so uh, this is a show I've really kind of enjoyed over the last few years, and so I'm glad to get to watch another season of that. Excellent, excellent, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I am fairly fired up this week. Um, I have mentioned before that I had recently gotten the chance to see The Babadook, which um, is, I think, the best horror film of the year and, uh, you know, likely one of the best horror films of the last 10 years and also by a female director, which I think is fantastic. But that's not what's got me fired up is, um, although those are all very, very exciting things to be said, um, there is a pop-up book that plays uh, quite a lot in the film, and it is now available for purchase. And it is the <laughs> worst pop-up book to buy a child ever. And so um, it's very, very exciting that it's out there and available and it exists. Uh, dear listener, you can email the Good Trash Honorcast, uh, goodtrashhonorcast at gmail.com to find out addresses so you can mail me my copy of uh, the Duke, thank you very much, and uh, please and thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I'm also fired up about Constantine. Speaking of comic book television, oh, yeah. and I've been really, really enjoying the show. I haven't got this weekend's episode taken care of uh, as of yet. We're recording here on the 14th of December. Uh, but what's what I what I love about the show and what I really enjoy about is that I think it really does have some staying power. Uh, NBC went ahead and ordered it as a shorter season. They're only going to do 13 episodes this season, although they are already planning on a second season, which is great. But uh, immediately after the announcement that they're going to reduce the load and shorten the season, mm-hmm. um, right. Ratings went up 25% on the show. So in your face, Camel Cake, uh, going back off to Hook and uh, other such insults. And I'm very, very pleased uh, that the show's doing well and it's got a pretty loyal listener base, it looks like. And I'm digging on it. So good stuff. I'm also working my way through the Paradise Lost documentaries uh, about the West Memphis Three. Oh, yeah. Where are those? They're on Amazon Prime Instant. And... uh, yeah, it's it's they're pretty incredible. Uh, that's all I want to say. Been, I've been wanting to see them for a while. Well, yeah, you're a sociologist. I mean, obviously. Yeah, right? they're all three are on there. All three. Excellent. And so I'm halfway through the second one, and I'm just riveted. It's mm. it's really really good documentary film. So I recommend it highly. You should check it out. But that is lots and lots to be fired up. We have well, one. You didn't say it. Me and Dustin watched the Rover together. Oh, I thought you were going to say it, so I didn't say it. Well, I, I you know I just I, I thought about you saying it so much. I was so happy. I thought it happened. Go ahead and tell us about me and, it. Me and Dustin got to watch The Rover together. That was a real good movie. It was a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, Dustin mentioned last week that he had purchased it, and after the show, I was like, I want to see that. Do you want to sit down and watch that together? And, man, I, we were both enraptured throughout. Yeah, it blew my face off. It was good stiff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, recommended highly. Uh, Robert Pattinson is a good actor. Yeah, man. Forget Twilight. Um, Let me ask you something. Do you feel like it? Burges on overacty a couple of times because no, I did. Because well, I know those people. I grew up with yeah, those people. Okay, that's and so fair. It, it is absolutely a fair characterization of one of those folks. Okay. Well, I, I meant there, there's a scene towards the end where he 
he he's got too many twick t- ticks going on. I felt like, yeah. and I was like, okay, dial it down. But I, I overall really liked his performance a lot. I like the movie a lot as a whole. Still not sure about that ending. I haven't decided, but I love the movie. You know, oddly, as I think about the reality of the character and I think about Paradise Lost, and I'm going to combine things, uh, Jesse Miss Kelly um, is almost identical to Robert Pattinson's oh, character. Wow. So there's that. Hmm. Think about that long and hard, dear listener. If you've seen both of those things, it's probably going to disturb you in crazy ways. But we need to move on at this point. We have one last favorite film to be picked this, this month uh, for our uh, celebration of the 100th centennial of the good trash genre cast. It's Dalton's pick, and everyone is shocked at what he has selected well this will be the 103rd episode we've recorded next week um and it probably took by the fifth episode for me to implement a self-imposed david fincher rule because i kept mentioning his movies and elsa instead um and also as just any or during games it came up like a couple times within the first weeks of just within the first weeks of recording so i I decided and was promptly uh, urged to do so by my uh, fellow uh, hosts to go ahead and lay down a Finch rule and not bring it up uh, if at all possible. Yeah, well, and we break the rule sometimes. Uh, we we've done Zodiac always. on the show. Not always. It's rare. If it wasn't in effect, I would find a way to to fit his films into most Elses or Instead's probably because they're good pairing. They're good films. So we're gonna be watching my very favorite film. Um, we're gonna watch Fight Club. Yay! I'm excited. Uh, and it still fits the parameters of the show. It is definitely a cult movie. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but it's just a film that I have a huge emotional attachment to. It's the film that helped me get into film uh, and helped me realize that there was something deeper to be mined and learned and, and discussed uh, about film and uh, film watching. Um, so I'm really excited about it. And yeah, if, if you've been listening for you know the whole run of this series, this is not a surprise to you at all. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're very, very excited to be taking a look at that. In the meantime, catch a movie, any movie. Have a great conversation. Um, have some thought because there's usually something going on down there in the depths. And if not, there is at least a point of departure for an uh, intelligent conversation. And that is what makes the movies a beautiful thing. Um, so take a look at that. Take a look at Fight Club um, whilst perhaps uh, assembling a key of furniture. And until then, we'll see you next time. Oh, beautiful. For heroes proved In liberating strife Who more than self Their country loved
Yes, it is. 